Welcome to the OmniTalk Spotlight Series, the series where we highlight the people, the technologies, and the companies that are shaping the future of retail. Today, as part of our 2021 Ask an Expert series, I am pleased to welcome Azita Martin, the GM for Artificial Intelligence for Retail and CPG at NVIDIA. Azita, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Excited to be here. Yeah, me too. I think I think this is going to be a great show. I, I'm excited to sit down with you, uh, you know, pick your brain as an expert, dive into all that we can around AI and its applicability across retail and CBG. But before we do that, first, I got to ask a little bit about your background. I mean, I think you're the, this might be an Omni talk first, because I think you might be the first time we've had somebody with a degree in aerospace engineering on our program. So I'd love to hear a little bit about you. What's your background? What does your job entail? The whole nine yards. Sure, sure. Wow, you're really going back as aerospace <laughs> engineer. I did start uh, uh, as an aerospace engineer. I, uh, I actually moved here from Spain and uh, I wanted to become an aerospace engineer. And uh, I did that and uh, I worked for uh, seven years in that industry. Uh, and then uh, when I got my MBA and went into management consulting uh, for several years, and then from there into high tech. And really in the past five years, I've been very focused on machine learning and AI and uh, been with NVIDIA about two and a half years. Uh, and my team uh, is in charge of uh, really three things that are focused on the retail and consumer package uh, industry. And uh, number one is um, we actually um, help developers build better applications faster. And so we work with retailers to understand what their biggest challenges are. And then we really go and look for disruptive software companies, many of which are small startups. Hmm. And we assign technical AI experts from our company at NVIDIA to actually handhold these uh, younger companies to make sure that they're using the best AI algorithms and to really optimize their algorithms. And, um, and so that's really a key part of what we do. In parallel, we've developed a software application framework that has pre-trained models for different use cases. Okay. And uh, again, the, the type of um, application frameworks and software libraries that helps developers build better applications faster. And then thirdly, we really work with executives at retail companies to advise them on um, what are the best AI uh, applications for the challenges that they have. Got it. Got it. So interesting. That's an interesting role. You're kind of a little bit of a shepherd and kind of a farmer at the same time, depending on which of those roles you want to break out and, and, and how you want to look at it. What I'm curious, what captivated you? You said you spent about five years in AI and machine learning now. What what captivated you with that discipline? What what made you want to you know spend more time and focus on it? Um, you know, I was doing a lot of, a lot of analytics and okay. I lived in Silicon Valley and, you know, data analytics seven, eight years ago was really a big deal. The more I got involved in that, the more I realized that machine learning was really heading in the direction of being able to provide advice and recommendations to people. A lot of people often think of AI 
as automation and replacing jobs. And yes, there are some components of AI that that help with automation, but I would say it automates mundane work that people don't want, like packing, picking and packing an order. Uh, And it leaves, uh, you know, the people to do the things that really matter the most in terms of customer interaction and and so forth, right? So I think what captivated me is that I feel that any company in any industry that wants to stay competitive really needs to leverage AI. And I look at some of the leaders uh, in the retail industry, for example, Walmart, that we work with very, very closely. And they have from the top up from their CEO, they've, they've invested in AI and that's what's really keep the, keeping them competitive. So for me, it's it's a field in high tech because most of my career in the past 15 years has been in high tech. I feel that AI is at the forefront of what is uh, going on with technology and innovation. Right. Yeah. And another interesting other to what you said, I imagine we'll get into this a little bit. And I know we've talked about some of our writing too, is some of the jobs are jobs that can't even get done by humans. Like there's, there's, there's just, you know, so much complexity to them, but yet the demands of the consumers are such that they need to get done and you almost have to use AI to, to make them happen. So, well, let's, let's talk about that then, because I think part of the, I think the interesting point here too, before we get into some of what you've written that we co-published on OmniTalk together um, let's also talk a little bit about NVIDIA. Like, so how does, how does NVIDIA itself kind of fit into this whole intersection of retail, digital transformation? Uh, I hear lots of words thrown around like GPUs and CPUs. And, you know, as a former retailer and merchant, those were things, you know, 10 years ago, I never had to think about, but now you probably actually do. So I'd love to spend some time on understanding why that is from your perspective. Yeah. So NVIDIA started as a company you know, over 20 years ago, really focused on gaming and and building the GPUs or gaming uh, chips to to make games as interactive as possible, as if you're you're part of that game, right? But our CEO about seven or eight years ago really saw AI as one of the most important parts of enterprise and heavily invested in that. So we are not a GPU company. We are an accelerated computing company. What that means is that, yes, we have GPUs uh, that are used for, for example, training, training of algorithms. And we have GPUs that are for inference. Uh, in, in other words, the recommendations that the algorithm makes. Um, but most importantly, 70% of our engineers are actually software engineers. And we have a set of software libraries for different use cases that really accelerate uh, the, uh, the compute and the performance of the algorithm. So what that means is that using one of these different libraries, depending on what AI application you're building, First and foremost, you're able to train your applications significantly faster. And we're talking like 100 times faster. What that means is instead of like building an algorithm and waiting eight hours for it to train, it'll train in, you know, an hour. And now you're able to train your algorithm more frequently. The more frequently you train your algorithm, the more accurate it becomes. The more data, the more training, the more accurate, right? And the more accurate it is, that means that the recommendation is making 
that the algorithm is making is helping, right? And then we also have um, software libraries and GPUs for inference at the edge. So for example, shrinkage is, is a big problem in the retail industry. And there are algorithms uh, that have been built by some of our customers and some of our software partners that actually do real-time inference at the edge. In other words, if somebody is at self-checkout and it's switching tickets or it's pretending like they're scanning, but they're not. It scanning actually, bananas and buying steak. <laughs> exactly. It actually shuts down the point of sale machine and sends a text to one of the store associates. So they do it very discreetly, but it's real time. It's not like, oh, theft happened and let's find the cameras and see who did it. It's really stopping shrinkage right there as it's happening. That makes sense. I didn't. I didn't know the background in video games too. That's really interesting to me as well because we've often talked about in our writing how the, the future of retail is almost like a is almost like a it's almost like a video game where the where the consumer is almost the main player character in the game and everything is acting in and around that main player uh, and it's all happening by way of by the way of how the data is being processed and computed in response to what that consumer is doing day in and day out. So. That's, that's good to know. I didn't know that before. So, so I think, you know, we together on this topic published uh, a paper called Driving Agility and Retail with AI on OmniTalk uh, in December. And in that paper, we really highlighted three areas where we thought AI was really set to drive the most value. And the first thing that you singled out was in the area of supply chain. I'd, I'd like to cover all of the areas with you today, but specifically for those listening, let's start with supply chain. Um, and you mentioned a few areas a little bit already, but why do you why do you think that's really a key focus here as we look to 2021? Well, I mean, you you work with a lot of retailers, and so do we. We know that, especially in the past 10 months, supply chain has become the livelihood of retail, like making sure the right. customer buying behavior has changed so much. Like who would have guessed that you have COVID and people worry about toilet paper as opposed to something else, right? And so I think that supply chain has become super important. There are various components that AI can help. The, the area where we are seeing a lot of interest, uh, and we've actually worked with Walmart on this for several years, and there's a blog on our website that people can, can see, is being able to, to use machine learning to... Um, again, dramatically accelerate how frequently you can run your forecasting. So for example, in the case of Walmart, they have uh, over 100,000 uh, SKUs and over 5,000 stores. So it's a combination of 500 million item to store combinations. And they wanted to run forecasting on a daily basis and not on a weekly or biweekly basis. And right. And so they decided to build their own forecasting solution. And we, of course, partnered with them and uh, helped them use one of our key data science software libraries called Rapids, which is open source and available to anyone, and guided them on, on how to uh, optimize their solution. They know their business of retail better than we do. What we know better than they do is the best algorithms, the best way to optimize it. And so we partnered together on that and um, it's really improved the accuracy uh, of their forecasting as well as the frequency of being able to run that on, on a daily basis. So, so that's definitely one example of supply chain. 
Uh, I think another area is is just automating and building intelligence into the warehouse. Oh, and so okay. again, this is the perfect example of you know uh, you're getting a lot more orders coming in online, and how do you quickly are able to be able to fulfill those orders? And so that's about improving the throughput in the distribution centers. And uh, there again, you know, we're partnering with several companies, including Dematic, uh, which provides um, automation and intelligence so that uh, items can be stored intelligently in, in the right multi-shuttle cabinets, uh, that robots know how to exactly go and retrieve the right products, and then uh, pick and pack robots that are, that are basically... Um, fulfilling those orders. And again, you know, just even uh, a few minutes of uh, increase in throughput uh, dramatically increases how many orders can be fulfilled and obviously improve the uh, the sales and revenue of the retailers. So uh, those two are very uh, important areas. And now we're working on last mile delivery, which is- I was gonna ask, that was gonna be my question. Okay, last mile, are you? You're seeing kind of an influx now and how do we get that even smarter and better given that there's now infinite numbers of different nodes in which people are having to ship or pick up products from, okay. Right, exactly. So we're working on trucking, a truck routing okay. optimization. Truck routing. And uh, of course, curbside pickup is a perfect example that lends itself to computer vision, being able to recognize uh, for example, the model and the color of the car and be able to match that to the order so that you make sure that the right order is put in the back of the right car. Like last thing you want to do is put somebody else's order in the back of somebody else's car, right? So these are, you know, really, really, really important areas that AI brings tremendous amount of value that, um, that first of all helps retailers with customer satisfaction and their ability to meet the the needs of the customers, but secondly, a huge financial gain in terms of, uh, you know, keeping the margins, uh, you know, much much, uh, you know, greater than what they are today. Yeah, it's, it's, I never thought about that pickup problem. It's like getting the wrong suitcase at the airport. You know, for all of us that have had that happen at some point in time, that makes sense that that you would see it migrate in that direction. Now, the other area you talked about was e-commerce. So I think all the supply chains, all the supply chain use cases, I think makes sense. Forecasting, it feels like forecasting forever has been a key focus of, of most retailers. How do we get better at that day in and day out? But where, where is its applicability now in e-commerce? What areas are you seeing retailers gravitate towards AI the most? Right. Well, I think we all know that Amazon really pioneered recommendations. Recommendations. Systems, right. And now really all the uh, innovative retailers have really invested in using AI for recommendation system. Now, you know, some might say, well, I'm already doing recommendation system. Right. right. But the recommendation system is not always about people that bought this also bought that. It's often about personalizing it. Right. Okay. You know, what have you bought in the past? You know, what else do I know about you as a customer? And how do I make sure that I'm recommending products that really meet your needs, right? And so, uh, again, um, now there are specific AI solutions that, uh, that really dramatically improve the accuracy and the personalization of recommendation system that obviously uh, drive revenue. And again, um, 
we are now partnering with several several retailers uh, on that. But one area that might seem really boring, but it but it makes a huge huge difference is using AI for tagging the products on your e-commerce. I mean, who wants to go get a degree in data science and spend 80% of their time tagging data? That's the kind of stuff data scientists don't want to do. No, this is what I was talking about before. I mean, this is, I think, the jobs that just aren't going to get done, especially when you talk about marketplaces and how fast they're growing and the number of SKUs and the different item attributes that are coming online. Like, the, no, no one wants to do that. I've done that. I've had to tag items. It's it's about the, one of the most boring jobs I could possibly do. Exactly. Um, and I unfortunately didn't have to do it that often. But say more, because I, I, I think that's an important element for people to hear is that there's a smarter way to do this than how, say, retailers or merchants have traditionally cataloged their product lines for reporting and analysis purposes. Yeah. So again, there's uh, a slew of really, really innovative startups and companies that are have developed these algorithms that learn from the data scientists. So initially, mm-hmm. you, your data scientists will start tagging and labeling the data, and then the algorithm is really learning from um, your data scientist, and then it can go and automate the other 80% of the data. But what's even more important about it is a lot of these tagging that are, are done by the AI algorithms is tagging at attribute level. Right. And that makes customers be able to find what they want. And so if we're in January and everybody is going gluten-free and you know this and that. And so if you've got every cereal that you have um, in your website or your e-commerce site tagged as with attributes, you know, it's got vanilla flavor and it's gluten-free and it's got this and that. It really helps your customers very quickly find the products that they're looking for, right? And so I think it's both. It's the ability to really tag at very detailed attribute level and and taking a very cumbersome and boring job of tagging and automating that uh, through AI because that's where AI learns from the human being uh, and then does the work for them. Does, Azita, does computer vision play into that as well? So it sounds like there's a little bit of like, it can under, the algorithms can understand the data tagging that's happening in the background. You hear a lot about computer vision too. Can it also correlate against like visually then what AI is able to see in terms of what those items also are to make that even more enhanced and more precise? Right. I mean, so one area is visual search. Right? Okay. You know, I, you know, I like this thing. I've seen this on Pinterest. I want to go find it somewhere else. Uh, and also visual um, visual search is used for finding uh, items uh, on marketplaces that are illegal uh, or they're, uh, you know, they're uh, fake, fake items, yeah, right? Counterfeits. For example, you know, so look at some of the top brands and, you know, they want to be able to go identify in marketplaces if, if there's, you know, fake uh, uh items out there that replicate their brand. Uh, And so any company that has a marketplace uh, really is using visual search to ensure that uh, the people that are selling products on their marketplace uh, are not selling any illegal items or fake um, 
items and, and so forth. So that's certainly uh, another important area. And of course, the visual search of being able to, you've seen something and you want to find that uh, on your website. And so those are uh, another really important part of using computer vision uh, as part of e-commerce. Yeah, so that the image matches the description or the attributes like you were describing before. All right, well, let's, let's, look, let's look at the third area then. The third area, which I think is our favorite area, which is really the intersection of physical and digital retail. We talked about fulfillment. We talked about e-commerce, kind of the backbone of this whole experience. But the third area you pinpointed was what you called, I think, the intelligent store. What are you seeing in terms of the way people are going to shop physical retail and where AI is going to have the biggest impact here in the short term? Yeah. So actually, intelligence store is where we are seeing tremendous interest from the retailers. Really? And okay. So intelligence stores uh, is, is a combination of things. Uh, I say at the highest level, you have a lot of intelligence about how people shop on your e-commerce site. Mm-hmm. But you don't have the same level of granularity of understanding of customer behavior. So, so one area is just pure store analytics. Where are people... Uh, walking through which aisles, if they go from one aisle to the other, you know, and how do you then understand the demographics of your stores, the the flow, the heat map, where people are hanging out more. And that allows you to basically optimize your merchandising, right? Uh, for, for higher revenue. Uh, but like traditional, if- traditional funnel economics that you'd see on like a website, bringing those into the store level. That's, that's basically what you're describing there. Yeah, no, that's a great way. I, I didn't think about analyzing it that way, but it is the funnel analysis. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah. But the other area where uh, retailers are seeing huge return on their investment is to stop shrinkage. And so more and more retailers are adding self-checkout lanes. And we know that most retailers are losing one and a half to 2% of their revenue to shrinkage. And a lot of that shrinkage is happening in the store. It's happening uh, at self-checkout lanes. It's happening uh, in um, cashier um, um Checkout cashier, cashier assisted checkout lane. So sweethearty, right? My girlfriend's mm-hmm. on the other side, and I'm just gonna not scan something that. Yeah. Uh, you know, or sorry. I miss something in the basket. It goes through. It's in the bottom of the cart that you can't see in that section or something like that. Yeah. So that's an area where there's several very very innovative uh, software companies that have developed, you know, proven solutions that are deployed at some very, very big retailers, especially the supermarket uh, and uh, grocery market. And um, it's really, uh, that's where we're seeing tremendous interest because the investment there pays for itself literally in two months. I mean, we've done ROI calculations with customers and you take a typical uh, large retailer supermarket that has a thousand stores. And if you take the revenue and calculate, you know, what is one and a half percent loss, they're losing, you know, somewhere around, you know, um, I don't know, $500,000 a store potentially per year. And so when you look at the investment of putting one server in the back of the store uh, with NVIDIA GPUs, obviously, and then install on that the software for asset protection, that actually can can pay for itself in in literally several months because it can 
stop shrinkage, I would say uh, at self-checkout lanes and and uh, point of sale uh, by a very, very large percentage in excess of 70%. Uh, and so so Oh, and so just yeah. so I understand that. So just so I make sure, so I double click into that. So like you're saying, like it's pretty straightforward. Then people can just use the kind of tried and true algorithms that you've seen work other places. And that can alert the retailers within a couple of months to impact their business into when they are seeing those specific issues potentially arise while they're in store. You know, now let me clarify that. It's it's really the the hardware and infrastructure technology pays for itself in two months. Okay. But you're actually stopping the shrinkage and the theft in real time as it's happening. As soon as, right? as, so soon as it's implemented. Okay. Is that the software is implemented at the edge uh, on a machine that's in the back of the store. And when somebody is doing ticket switching or miss scanning, it shuts down the point of sale machine. And it notifies uh, via text uh, of an associate. And the associate usually does not come and confront the customer. They will come and say, sorry, let me help you rescan everything, the machine. Uh, I have to reset the machine, right? So that's a very, very, um, you know, big area of, uh, of, um, of savings for retailers. So, uh, you know, a, um, a retailer that's losing you know, $500,000 a year per store, even if, you know, only 30% of that was at self-checkout lanes and point of sale, that's hundred and, you know, $50,000 per store per year. And you multiply that by your number of stores, that's a tremendous amount of of saving and avoiding the shrinkage uh, that's been really growing in the industry. So that's another uh, big area for intelligence stores. And of course, there's other use cases. Uh, there's autonomous shopping or friction cashierless shopping. Uh, so the Amazon Go style solutions and a sure. lot of players are moving uh, to that as well. We're seeing that many retailers are going from very, very large stores to smaller stores with micro fulfillment centers in the back of that store. And, um, you know, again, the ability to make it frictionless, uh, especially for the millenniums and the younger generation to just walk in, uh, you know, log into their application, walk in, and then computer vision recognizes what they've picked and put in their basket. And that's what gets charged to them. And if they put something in the basket and take it back out and put it on the shelf, it, uh, obviously does not charge them on that. So those are some really, really important use cases. We also have use cases around stock out, right? I mean, that's an important issue. So if um, the shelves are starting to get empty, immediately notifying the store associate to replenish uh, the the stock on, on the shelf. So those are all really important use cases. Is that, is that happening through computer vision processing too, or how are you, how, how are the stockouts uh, being monitored like that? The way so you're stockouts are monitored by having uh, cameras that to um, the shelves. So these are cameras that usually are installed on the shelves and uh, it just detects when it goes beyond a certain, uh, you know, threshold, then sure. it notifies an associate to, uh, to restock those uh, those shelves. 
Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, and I'm glad I glad I glad we double clicked into that conversation on on the assets protection side too, because that is, I mean, that's pretty straightforward and pretty simple, and can happen, you know, pretty immediately. Should people be interested in looking at? That. And then I think the other, I want to make sure people heard that too. So you have seen from your vantage point, you've seen a, a much bigger interest on the retail side in kind of the Amazon Go computer vision style operation in terms of. How do we bring something like that to market? You're saying you're seeing the industry move in that direction. I think I would say of all the intelligence store use cases, the the top two are asset protection and stockout. Okay. Those are the course. And the reason is Good the asset protection pays for all the other applications you want to install in the store because you can install multiple applications. But actually, if you stop the shrinkage that's happening, now you're saving enough money to start investing in autonomous shopping and store analytics and, and so forth. But I think the top two are asset protection and stock out. Okay. So it's really, they can really fuel everything. When you look at everything we talked about, so all three rungs, are, is it the same two buckets or would you say that there's a good place or a quote unquote smart place to start? Like how would you advise retailers to look at everything we just talked about? Where should they invest their money first? Yeah. I mean, I my first advice is what is the biggest challenge that you're facing as a retailer? Right. If shrinkage is a big problem and it continues to grow, that's certainly an, an area that that you can buy a solution that's proven, that's highly scalable and implement that and and stop that shrinkage. And these are not one year projects. These are three months projects that you can basically run a 30 day POC, then put, you know, try it in five stores for another 60 days and then easily deploy that across thousands of stores. Uh, so that certainly is one area that uh, I think it's almost the most common problem in the industry. And uh, so that would be a good area if if uh, if shrinkage is a problem right. for you. I think that we're seeing a lot of interest, like I said, in forecasting, in stockouts and and uh, and curbside pickup. Those are really the areas that we're seeing. And we don't work as much with, for example, the uh, the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we primarily work with mass merchants and supermarkets. And quick service restaurants, so a lot of uh, fast food sure. uh, restaurants and so forth. And for all of them, forecasting has become very important. And uh, and anything that leverages um, AI with computer vision for better customer uh, experience. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think as we're looking at the landscape right now, especially for 2021, it's like you got to look at really forecasting last mile options to make sure you've got that table stakes customer experience. And then, yeah, assets protection, preventing shrink is probably a good way to help fund some of that activity like you described. Final question here before we play, how millennial are you? A lot of retailers, I think, always are faced with this question, especially around this topic too. Like, do I just try to build all this myself or do I, you know, build the build versus buy discussion? Like, how do you think about that in the context of everything we just talked about? Yeah. So I think what we see is that most retailers uh, go with a hybrid approach. Okay. Uh, They will take a problem that is big uh, and speed of delivery is the most critical for them. And so they're willing to go buy a AI solution that is proven 
and go deploy that right away because the opportunity cost of taking a year or 18 months to build it yourself is at the end not worth it. Uh, So we see that. But then, you know, we think that um, there's a combination. And so if you have uh, a large number of data scientists, then you can decide what are some of the solutions that, uh, that you want to build yourself. So I think it's a combination of do you have the right talent? You know, for example, some companies have uh, machine learning data scientists, but they don't have computer vision uh, right. data scientists. So Uh, If some of the problems that you're facing requires computer vision and you don't have those that talent, then buying that solution from, uh, you know, a software solution provider that's got hundreds of engineers working on that one solution uh, is is something that's uh, certainly worth considering. Mm -hmm. I like how you said it, too. I mean, I think from. Oh, sorry. Say that again, Azina, please. And so we see that combination of building some and buying some from most retailers. Got it. Yeah, I think what I was going to say is the part of, the part I like about what you said too is it's like you can do a lot of this really quickly. And a lot of what you're describing isn't necessarily in, it's important from a consumer experience perspective, a longevity perspective, but it's not necessarily like differentiating 100% one option A versus option B. The importance is this, you're just doing it and you're doing it quickly and fast and you're making improvements. So I think that's an, I think that's an important lens by which anyone listening could start to think about this discussion that we're having about how do you make AI applicable uh, quickly and fast. One, one more question I have to ask, because I, I think AI gets thrown around quite a lot, especially machine learning gets thrown around a lot. It feels like those two are almost like conjoined twins at the hip sometimes. You know, your background, what is the one thing you wish people knew about AI that maybe they don't understand uh, really well? And maybe it's even evident from some of the questions I've been asking in the context of this interview today. But, you know, from your vantage point, what is that one thing you wish you could impart on everybody, you know, right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, that you don't really have to have an army of data scientists to to deploy AI. Uh, they're you know, solutions that you can buy. I and mean, it's kind of what I, uh, what I, what I talked about before, right? Yeah. If okay. You look at, you know, retailers are expert in, in retailing. That's right. for business, right? And so, you know, take a look at, you know, the challenges that you have and say, you know, where do I build and, and where, where do I buy? And do I have the right skill set because there's nothing worse than not having the right skill set, building the wrong thing, you know, and, and losing that opportunity cost. That's number one. And and time is of essence, right? I mean, you are seeing how many retailers are going out of business, right? Because reinventing yourself is, is really key. And I think that AI is key to reinventing retail. There's just so much innovation coming. So that's one. And I think the most important thing is AI has to be driven by the CEO. If the CEO doesn't believe in it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's cannot be a lab project, right? It's what we see the most competitive companies is when the CEO actually makes AI one of the key uh, strategy and initiatives in the company and that there are multiple executives that are tasked with, you know, taking that, building that strategy and obviously uh, executing uh, on that strategy. And I think that's key to staying competitive 
uh, in the retail uh, industry. Yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, it's about focus and really knowing what your core competencies are and how you're going to play to those strengths and leverage AI in the right spots. All right. Well, fantastic. I love that. That was great. I could keep talking to you. I think we, we've there's so much to learn and it's such a fascinating topic. All right. But I got to get you out of here on this. I got to play How Millennial Are You? So are you ready for this one? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Here we go. All right. Well, first question, the questions that we same three questions we ask everyone for those listening for the first time, the same three questions we ask at the end of every interview. But the first question, if you're in the grocery store, let's say, maybe during COVID, maybe pre-COVID, however you want to answer this. Are you pulling out some form of mobile payment, say Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, cash, credit card? How are you typically paying for that transaction? So I'm definitely playing with uh, mobile payment, right? All right. (laughs) That is, I don't know if that qualifies me as a millennium because my age is certainly nowhere near a millennium. But I would say, especially with COVID and trying to make things uh, touchless, uh, I've certainly moved to to using mobile payment as uh, as a way to pay. For now, were you doing that pre-COVID as well? Keep be honest. You know, it's funny, I was doing that for coffee, like for whenever. Sure. Uh, because anywhere you go to get coffee around here, they've got this square device, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, I mean it's got it's just so much easier than pulling a card, right? Uh, so I was doing it mostly for that, but now I I use it for. Uh, you know, definitely grocery shopping and anything else that, uh, you know, most retailers have really now moved to taking Apple Play and uh, Samsung and all the other devices. So, uh, so yeah, that's uh, definitely uh, the way to go now. For sure. That's why I had to ask. We, we're seeing this shift a little bit, but I got to tell you, like you're probably 10%. We've done, we've probably asked this question over a hundred times now. And we, I would probably guess only 10% of the respondents have actually said that they use some sort of mobile payment. Most people are still pulling out a credit card, believe it or not. So well, maybe I'm so, one of the few people that wears plastic gloves when they go to grocery stores. So for me, touching anything <laughs> is, uh, is uh, scary right now. Exactly. You could be, and it's efficient, right? And you're all about that too. So, all right. Well, second question, and you kind of alluded to this already. So I think you're going to score pretty high on this one too. How many times in the last week have you ordered say food or drinks, coffee, like you just mentioned by way of a mobile app? I usually do it once a week. Just once a week. Really? Why, why only once a week? I cook a lot at home. Now my, okay. my, uh, my teenage son does it on a daily basis and I nag at him because he spends too much money at DoorDash, but <laughs> DoorDash. Okay. For sure. Uh, Who isn't right now? I think if you look at their numbers, but yeah. Okay. Last question. If you could only use one social media platform, this is the, this is everyone's favorite. If you could only use one social media platform, what would it be and why? Well, I use LinkedIn because a lot of my social media is around work, and that's how I connect uh, to my network. Uh, but I also use Instagram for fun and fashion, and uh, uh, I like anything that's visual. I think a picture speaks uh, a thousand words. Uh, so, uh, so those are my two uh, social media platforms. Any guilty pleasure follows on Instagram that people may be surprised to hear about from you, Azita? No, I don't think so. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> nothing. No, <laughs> nothing. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, well, very good. Well, hey, that was an awesome discussion. I think you scored pretty high on the millennials scale there. You got Instagram, mobile payments, 
you're ordering for mobile apps when you're getting your coffee. So I, I think you did pretty well, comparatively speaking, to everyone we've interviewed. But uh, if people want to get in touch with you, if they found the conversation interesting around everything we talked about uh, regarding AI today, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, I would definitely say uh, connect to me on LinkedIn and, and drop me a message. I do check that uh, quite frequently. And then also, if you go to NVIDIA's website under solutions, we have a retail area. And there, again, uh, you can uh, fill out a form that says contact me. And that uh, gets to all the right people on our team uh, that can answer any questions you would have. I have a session actually at NRF on uh, Wednesday, the 13th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please come uh, join that session. Uh, but if you want to get hold of me, uh, connect to me on LinkedIn. Be delighted to uh, to uh, stay connected. That would be great. Love that. Love that. That's always our favorite answer, too. So for anyone listening, whoever might get that question in the future, that's always our favorite response. Yeah, just hit her up directly on LinkedIn if you're interested. See you again. Thank you so much. All our loyal listeners out there, as always, be careful.